Welcome back to the punt return. We are back. A massive week one in the NFL. Uh, Super Bowl champion Chiefs vanquished in the season opener. The 49ers and Cowboys both, both went bang in week one to stake their claim in the NFC. And the biggest off-season storyline, Aaron Rodgers' move to New York starts and ends in disaster after only four plays for the Jets. Ryan, welcome back to the show as always. First things first, are you going to stick with the Bills or are you jumping off Josh Allen and his men? <laughs> um, look, mate, I might be searching for a new team after after today's performance, especially after Aaron Rodgers went down. Pretty pretty disappointing for the Bills to lose that one and, and mainly the main man, Josh Allen, who... Had four four huge turnovers, including the uh, his own very own Mark San- Sanchez butt fumble at the end there <laughs> to kind of give the um, the Jets the the chance to take the lead late in the game, which they which they did before they tied it up. But yeah, obviously, um, yeah, a disaster for for the Bills, um, and then of, of course special teams coming to the rescue for the Jets in in overtime. But yeah, not a great start for the Bills, who obviously um, you know looking. You know, it's obviously um, an overreaction, but obviously it's a stacked AFC East that we kind of touched on in last week's season preview. But mm. after seeing what the Dolphins did, obviously um, the Jets beating them, and then of course the Patriots putting up a decent performance against your Eagles. Like, I don't know, is it is going to be all the Bills' way in the AFC East this year? They potentially look like the worst team in the AFC East after Week <laughs> One. But uh, look, it's obviously a long season. I think they'll get back on track next week, but. Um, yeah, cause for concern for a few teams, including, you know, we, we obviously saw, and we'll get into some of the big talking points, but some of the key AFC teams, obviously, 0-1, obviously, Kansas City, Cincinnati also losing as favourites. So, look, it's it's a lot to dis- dissect, and it's incredible. You look forward to it for so long, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it goes in a blink of an eye week one. So, um, a lot to dissect, and can't wait to get stuck in with you, mate. It, it happened super quick, didn't it? It was like last week we were doing our, our season previews and, and preseason picks and, and all that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's like the week one's over. It's like, where did the time go? But uh, before we get into some of the major talking points, a little bit of a different format this week and, and maybe for the next few weeks as we kind of wait to see how some of the data settles, how the market settles. Um you know, let us know what you think if, if you're listening. Um, let us know on, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, drop some reviews on on uh, iTunes or Spotify or, or whatever it is. And let us know what you think of this format. We'll go through some talking points each week. Um, we'll look at a, a couple of the, the stats leaders and, um, you know, players that are, are performing over and under expectations. We'll look at some of the key matchups coming up. Uh, and then we'll finish up with some final thoughts. And, and then we'll kind of see how things pan out, I guess, after a couple of weeks once uh, once we get a, a little bit of the lay of the land. But, Ryan, starting with the first game of the season, the Chiefs and the Lions, I'm not sure that anyone saw that result coming. I think we all expected the Lions to take a step forward in their development after what we saw in the second half of last season. Um, what did you make of, firstly, the Chiefs, and secondly, what are your expectations? Have your expectations for the Lions changed after that? The first game was one of the best games of, of week one. And and as you mentioned, it went went by in a blink of an eye. And it's probably a good reason why we we don't bet in week one. And, and it was, you know, the, the case pretty pretty obvious in, in, in many upsets, um, of course, that come out of week one. But look, obviously, one of the bigger ones was this one indeed. And, and look, to be honest, I, I gave the Lions a sneaky chance just because I thought they would be uh, <clears throat> continuing to improve. They obviously finished the season with with five or so straight wins last year. They looked really accomplished. Jared Goff finished 
really strongly and had the best touchdown to interception ratio in the league last year. And, and he showed again uh, his class, I suppose, and um, I suppose the second coming of Jared Goff. And, and he obviously didn't have huge stat numbers, but he he was again clean with the ball, did what he was did what he had to. He was efficient. He spread the ball around, which can't be said for a few of his um, counterparts across the league. Um, he had a you know a plethora of, of receivers to kind of throw to as well as the um, pass catching backs. Montgomery added a lot of grunt. Um, kind of played that role that Jamal Williams did last year. And then, of course, Jamal Gibbs came in and did his thing as well. So, look, it was overall a really impressive performance by the Lions who came up against the Super Bowl champs, the reigning Super Bowl champs at the right time, obviously missing, you know, their two best players outside of Patrick Mahomes in, in Travis Kelsey and, and Chris Jones, who mm. um, I know we'll touch on Jones in a second. But, look, I think, um, you know, it was the right time to get him, as I mentioned. But I, I do think they probably exceeded expectations in how they played. And I think now... Um, the NFC North looks there's the taking for sure, especially after what we saw from from the Vikings in week one. But uh, maybe we don't sleep on those Packers. Those young Packers look pretty exciting too. But look, I think the Lions have taken a step forward. They should be uh, in contention to be a playoff team at the very least this year in the NFC. And why not even push forward further than that? Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised by the Detroit Lions and. Absolutely no cause for concern for the Chiefs and their and their kingdom there. I don't think um, week one's anything to to get uh, you know jump off the chair about. I think, like I said, obviously missing Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, obviously on the defensive end. But I think the key talking point for 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 Kansas City was you know Patrick Mahomes needs help. He needs someone to throw to, and without his safety blanket there in Kelsey. They did look thin on the wide receiving front. I mean, he had an absolute disastrous day. Kadarius Tony had some of the worst drops you'll see at the pro level and, um, you know, really cost them a chance to win the game there with that drop um, that would have put him into field goal range at the end. So we'll see what happens to, to Tony if he's if his share drops. I mean, their rookie, Rasheed Rice, looks looked decent. But, um, again, I just think they, um, they need another playmaker there on the offense um, outside of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, obviously that that Mahomes Kelsey combination has been so so important for for the offense, you know, for the last five or six years, um, and, and it's clearly going to make a difference. I mean, we saw last season removing Tyreek Hill out of that that offense uh, worked. I mean, not worked, but it it wasn't mm-hmm. as a it wasn't as much of a disaster as many had expected because. Uh, Pat Mahomes always had Travis Kelsey there as as that safety blanket, as you mentioned, uh, and then the other guys around him were kind of taking some of the pressure off. Yeah. When once you take Travis Kelsey out, it's it's really up to those other guys to step up, and we haven't seen that yet. Um, I, I think, yeah, it, it was a disastrous game for Kadarius Tony, and and I'm not sure that he was potentially ready to play. I know he, he missed a fair chunk of of the off season of the preseason through injury and rehab. But we saw towards the end of last season, how important he was in that offense, not around volume, but around moments. And, and in really big moments, he stepped up, he had safe hands. Um, you know, he had the, had the punt return. I had some really big catches, some really big touchdowns through the second half of last season. So I, I think that he'll, I think that he'll be okay, but I'm sure that that confidence takes a, a bit of a battering after a performance like that. And I think you're right. I think that, you know, it's week one, the, the chiefs will be fine. Any, any team that's got Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey, you know, for, for the majority of the season is going to win more than they lose. And, and they're going to be, they're going to be just fine. Uh, but there are, I think some question marks around what happens around Travis Kelsey in that offense. Um, as you mentioned, Chris Jones 
uh, was a huge, a huge loss for the Chiefs. Uh, he's just re-signed on a, on a one-year contract, so I, I think he'll be back for week two. Um, he's such a pivotal player in that Chiefs defense, and they just weren't able to get to to Goff um, and really put him under that much pressure. And and you know his numbers didn't blow off the page, but he he was kind of able to do what he wanted and what he needed to do um, with with that offense. Yeah, and look, I think, um, you know, it was almost the writing was on the wall when you saw Jones attending the game as a spectator. So you, you thought that conversations obviously had progressed during the week, but obviously not enough in time to, to suit up for week one. But I, like you said, I think he'll be there for week two, which will make a, a huge difference to that uh, Chief front seven. And of course... Um, yeah, get get reinstated with that defense pretty quickly, you'd think. And and obviously coming up against the Jags this week, it'll be a great great way to see um, if Jones can perform and put some pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And, and we'll get to the Jags a bit later on. But look, look I think, um, as you've mentioned, no panic stations. And uh, we'll see what comes of it with Kansas City. But just wanted to um, quickly, quickly give you a stat on Jared Goff and his um, ball security. Apparently... Now he has now gone 359 consecutive passes without an interception, which is the third most of all time, only behind Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who are up in the high 300s, early 400s uh, of their career there. So another week or two, and he, he could be surpassing um, Aaron Rodgers for that number one spot. But yeah, I think that just shows that um, that offensive line's protecting him really well. He's obviously making great decisions. And um, last year's number one pick, um, Aiden Hutchinson was was a beast as well on, on Thursday night. I didn't want to um, leave him out either. So, look, I think Detroit are well-placed and, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what they can do in week two. I think they've got um, uh, the Seahawks, who obviously had a really disappointing lot. So, uh, really interesting NFC matchup in that one. It, it is. It's really cool to see a franchise that, that placed uh, a really strong priority on that offensive line and protecting their quarterback, no matter who it was. Um, over the last couple of years, and and to see that start to come to fruition is is really entertaining, I think. And and Detroit fans are are, are going to be um, incredibly lucky, I think, over the next few years to watch that all play out and and see how that offense takes shape, I guess. But you mentioned um, the Packers just just quickly while we're talking about the Lions and and that division. What did you make of of the new baby Packers offense? Yeah, the baby Packers for sure. I mean, Jordan Love was. Um... Hadn't looked like he, um, you know, looked like a vet, didn't he? I mean, he's only ever had one start in his career before, before Sunday, and he just looked accomplished. Um, obviously, the the Packers D was probably the standout. I think. Mm-hmm. I think those young defensive players for the for the Packers were obviously all over Justin Fields, but um, you know, a couple of the, some of the key performances: Quay Walker, Devontae White, Lucas Van Ness. They they're a really exciting bunch, and then obviously you've got the. Um, Aaron Jones doing what he did, but then of course um, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson on the offensive end as well. So look, um, and obviously of course um, uh, Matt Lafleur, who you know at, at the at the helm, is a really exciting coach, and you know he's got an unbelievable record um, in the NFL. Obviously, hasn't translated that success in the regular season to to the playoffs yet, um, and that's been the big big question mark on him. But we know he's a, a very accomplished coach and came up with some. Really cool schemes, and uh, I think they're going to be good. I think they're probably going to be better than most of us expected. Mm. And, um, yeah, Jordan Love just looked um, comfortable. Obviously, he's been in the system a long time and obviously not playing at the pro level, but obviously sitting um, behind Aaron Rodgers is a pretty pretty nice place to be and um, learning from 
one of the greats of the game. Yeah, it, it, it is a good place to be. And I think we know that, you know, I think over over this the course of this season, that offense will probably be a little bit up and down. I thought they were pretty good against the Bears. We, we know the Bears' D is not quite the Bears' D that we've become accustomed to over the last decade or so, but uh, I thought they I thought they've progressed nicely. What I was really impressed with was the Packers' defense. And I think we spoke about it a number of times last year that they were underperforming with the amount of talent that they had um, and, and the way that they were dialing things up. The players, I think, I'm not sure there was too much wrong with the the play calling or the strategy on the defense. I think it was just they were just underperforming. The, the, the players weren't performing to expectation. And I think what we saw in week one was those guys really step up. Like you saw the the, the rookie, Lucas Van Ness, that the sack on um, on Justin Fields, the, the pace and the power of, of that kid was just incredible, watching him chase down one of the best runners in, in the competition. Um, Jair Alexander taking on the much bigger um, tight end in Cole Komet and, and, and bringing him down and really putting body on and, and pressure on was just super exciting. And, and Packers fans, I think, must feel a bit revitalized that their their franchise isn't the the basket case that I think many people thought they might be. And you know, I, I'm not sure that we underestimated them but I, I'm not sure I saw that performance coming from them straight away in week one. And, and I guess we'll have to wait and see kind of how things play out in the in the next couple of weeks to see if, you know, maybe it was a, a one-off, maybe it was a, you know, full of adrenaline week one, new season, you know, no, not real expectations, et cetera. But, you know, they've got the um, the building blocks to, to be really good again really soon. So that that's going to be an interesting one to watch uh, to, to see how that plays out. But, one that I, I took note of, uh, and I, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts about the Cleveland Browns, because I, I think we were both a little bit bullish on, on the Browns based on the talent that they've got on that franchise, on that roster, in the squad, you know, both on, on offense and defense. Um, I kind of said last week that, that I was really intrigued to see how that um, that Browns defense lined up and, and what they were, were able to dial up with Jim Schwartz there, uh, and they just looked Nasty. I mean, Joe Burrow, who's, who's you know, MVP favorite, was a, a sub fifty percent completion rate, eighty four yards from from fourteen completions and, and thirty one attempts, which is just unheard of for uh, for Smoke and Joe. So they were really impressive on on both sides of the ball, and and you know whatever you think of him as a person and whatever he's gone through off off the field, uh, maybe Deshaun Watson has finally shaken off that rust, and maybe he's back, mate. Oh, look, I, I completely agree with you. Your first take on on that defense they were they were scary good, and to team up Miles Garrett's with a guy named Darius Smith, who's obviously um, been a superstar in his own right, but they did look scary. And I think um, you know their their um, their secondary and Denzel Ward, Martin Emerson as well, they were all over Ch- Jamar Chase and T Higgins didn't even have a catch. I mean. They, I mean, the conditions obviously helped uh, the Browns and and kind of their ground attack and. Uh, look, they obviously have the dog pound behind them as well, but and they've got somehow they've got an incredible record against Cincinnati. They've won six of their last seven or something against the the Bengals, including a, a massive win or blowout win last year too. So, look, it's it's probably wasn't overly surprising. I think how they did it was was the big one, especially how bad the Bengals' offense was. But look, that Browns' defense is going to cause a few headaches for a lot of teams this year. And, you know, like you said, um, the AFC North is is super tight. It always is. But they they are, um, you know, one of the most talented rosters uh, within that group. And, again, it's, like I said, a super tight division. But they've got the talent there. If they can just kind of string it together a bit um, a bit more consistently, they could be a scary team. And, look, 
I don't completely agree with the take on Deshaun Watson. I still think that's their biggest biggest um, Achilles heel at the moment. Obviously, they've got the amazing run game with Nick Chubb and, and Jerome Ford was was fine to back him up there. Obviously, the defense looked great, but the passing games where where they obviously are still a little bit behind the eight ball. I think obviously they only had around 150 yards through the air on on Sunday. Um, they didn't need to throw the ball a hell of a lot, so obviously the game script went against that. But um, the, the key thing for Deshaun Watson, I think, was, yeah, limiting turnovers, getting the ball out of his hands. But, um, yeah, obviously they've still got some talent there. Elijah Moore was pretty well targeted. Um, he certainly got more looks than Donovan Peoples-Jones, which I which I was big on um, Peoples-Jones. I thought he was going to have a bit more of a breakout year, and obviously it's only week one. But I'll hold tight on him, but I still think he, he's going to be an important factor moving forward. But, yeah, I think the Browns... Um, as long as they don't brown, they they they're in, in position to do something. <laughs> and there is always a, there is always a risk of that, isn't there? I think what what got me for for Deshaun Watson was not not so much his passing ability because I think that comes like hmm. yeah you know, we, we know we know how long he spent out of the game, all that stuff will, will come back. But what really impressed me was his ability to to scramble and use his legs when put it's under pressure, and he wasn't put under pressure all that much, but. Um, when he needed to, he was able to to put the foot down and, and step on the gas and and really get out of get out of trouble. And, and I'm not sure we saw that in the second half of last year when he came back. You know, he was obviously very rusty last season, um, but his ability to do that and not just not just do it, but the conditions as they were that that ground that turf was was waterlogged. It had been raining all day, um, and his ability to just get across the, the ground was just impressive. And and it just it reminded me of what Deshaun Watson used to be in Houston. And, you know, if he can if he can get anywhere near back to that player, then the Browns are going to be in, in a pretty good place. Um and, you know, I think I think other other teams are going to have to start to take notice. Um speaking of franchises that other teams have to take notice of, the San Francisco 49ers started the season absolutely with their foot on the gas from the moment that game started, um, we saw very quickly Nick Bosa became the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Um, I'm not sure that was too much of a surprise, but I think, you know, good for him to get that recognition. He's been a, a stud for for quite a while and, uh, you know, that man got paid. But, you know, defensively, they were, they were incredible. Offensively, they were pretty good. You know, they've just got so many options. But what did you make of the uh, of the Niners? Yeah, I think they were the standout performer of week one outside of probably Dallas. Um, maybe eclipsed them a little bit, but I think just with the the preseason kind of thoughts, I think they're the clear number one team at the top of the power rankings after week one. They were they were brutal on both sides of the ball. I think they completely dominated a pretty, you know, decent outfit. I mean, obviously the Steelers weren't um, cherry ripe for week one. It looked like they were a bit um yeah, not quite ready for 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 the for the Niners to come into town there and and dominate what like they did, but I think they're just so well placed. Um, they they they've obviously got uh, match winners all over the ground. Um, I'm talking in AFL terms there, but you know every every facet of the game there they've got um, in all facets they've got they've got playmakers and winners. So look, mm. I think. Um, Despite TJ Watt kind of having a big day, and and I know you want to talk on talk about him later. Obviously, three sacks to start the season is pretty handy for 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 TJ Watt. But look, that didn't didn't interrupt um, Purdy. Obviously, McCaffrey's power and and I suppose explosiveness came to the fore. 
And then you've got guys like George Kittle and Debo Samuel who had quiet days. So, like, I mean, it's it's exciting for the Niners fans. I think they're going to be a scary proposition and they'll do that to a lot more teams going forward. So looking forward to seeing how they um, they come up against the Rams next week who they've completely owned in recent times. And off the back of a pretty good win week one for the Rams, they'll get a, a reality check in week two, I think, um, when they, when they travel um, north to play the Niners. Yeah, look, I think that's I think that's pretty spot on. They they were just really, really super impressive, and and the the amazing thing is is that they played the kind of game that you know we should just be used to for the rest of this season. You know, it's essentially what they did through the second half of last season with Brock Purdy. You know, what we talked about last week is that Brock Purdy doesn't have to be Tom Brady. He doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have to be you know, a, an incredible quarterback. All he has to do is take care of the ball, manage the game, and do what needs to be done. And when you've got guys like Brandon Ayuk doing what he does, you've got Christian McCaffrey being the stud that he is, and then you've got everybody else around him, whether it's um, Debo Samuel on the ground or through the air. You've got George Kittle and his physicality and his running ability. Um, and and then you've got their defense. They they just played, I guess, what, what I think will – will become just the standard 49ers game that, that we'll see pretty much every week for the rest of this season um, in that, you know, Brock Purdy gets his 200, 250 pass yards, you know, two to three touchdowns probably, and plenty of handoffs to to McCaffrey, to Debo. You might see George Kittle take a few a few runs, um, you know, trying to power through. But, you know, as long as Brock Purdy does does his job and takes care of the ball, the, the Niners are going to be really, really hard to beat. Um, I'm glad you mentioned TJ Watt because obviously my pick for for the sack leader, defensive player of the year, um, leads the league in sacks after just one week. Well, equal equal lead. Uh, he had three in, in in the one game, and that was one of the other kind of impressive things. Was even with someone like TJ Watt being dominant on defense, and and that Pittsburgh Steelers defense being a really really good unit, the Niners were still able to kind of do what they wanted um, and, and make it happen. So yeah, they're they're scary good the uh the 49ers and um you mentioned you mentioned the Cowboys I mean is it is there a clear differential between the two or or are they pretty close do you reckon after one week I think the the Niners have the the better offense and I think that's going to hold them in good stead and look I think their defenses are pretty well matched if anything the Cowboys might have a very slight edge there but I think um just the way they they click on offense and you know Dak was fine on the weekend but it's weird to say that you've got more faith in Purdy. Just, I think it's just because you've got <laughs> in the scheme that he's in, and and my man Big Cock Brock has still not lost a regular season game in his career. <laughs> I can see well, the only the only game, the only game that is lost has been one that he didn't finish. Yeah, he so. got knocked out of. So, yeah, look, um, yeah, I, I still give the edge, obviously, to the to the Niners, and I think um, it helps when they've got a clear run in their division compared to. To the Cowboys, all have to battle through the Eagles before they even win the division, let alone um, get a number one seed. So, uh, clear number one team in the league for mine after week one, the, the Niners for sure. Well, you mentioned you mentioned we might do some power rankings a little bit later on, so we might get to that that discussion uh, more in detail a little bit later. Um, one who we haven't seen for a while, and we weren't quite sure how he's going to fit into. What was a surging offense at the end of last season was Calvin Ridley mm. and the Jags, but eight receptions, 101 uh, yards and a touchdown. Pretty impressive comeback. It's all you can ask from him, wasn't it? I mean, it was a pretty um, faultless display 
by by him and and obviously after a year absence, um, you could forgive him for having a bit of rust. But yeah, he was clearly the number one target for Travis uh, for Travis for Trevor Lawrence, and um, yeah, looked like a a stud that he was in Atlanta before his before his ban. So yeah, huge huge opening week for for Calvin Ridley. Obviously, um, I think the true test comes this week in week two when they when they go into um, when they go and take on the um, Chiefs. I don't know if that's in Kansas City or in or in Jacksonville. No, it's at it's at Jacksonville. So yeah, huge opportunity for the Jags. They'd be setting themselves for that one. Um, they can circle it down. Obviously, um, without going uh, looking too far ahead, they would have thought they could get past the Colts. While although the the Colts did make them work for it that victory in Week One, but look, I think they would have circled that after um, after kind of getting beaten by the and eliminated by the the Chiefs last year in the playoffs. So look, great opportunity for Trevor Lawrence and. And the Jags to make a statement, especially if they can get the reigning Super Bowl champions on too, that would be massive. But um, yeah, promising start for the Jags, who again, um, yeah, looked all right on defense. Obviously, their Josh Allen had a better week than my Josh Allen. I think um, <laughs> yeah, he he was one of the equal sack leaders that you did mention with TJ Watt. He also had three sacks on the day. Um, but yeah, he got a that was his career high sacks in the game. So it was a huge. Um, Huge option in the contract year as well for, and they always tend to play better in those contract years, don't they? These guys, so um, look out for him to have a <laughs> big, se- play for. big season. But um, just one kind of concern, I suppose, for the Jags was again they had um, some ball security issues. They had um, a couple of fumbles of an interception. So yeah, look, it it obviously didn't cost them in week one against the Colts. But if they do that um, against the Chiefs, it will definitely result in an L. Yeah, look, I think they were they were impressive without being overwhelming the Jags. I think they've got plenty of time to to kind of you know put things together. I thought the Colts pushed them, especially in the first half. You know, defensively they 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 came up with some really big plays. You talked about um, the fumble return. It was DeForest Buckner um, fumble return for a touchdown. Uh, there was an interception, um, but you know I think they're a pretty good team, the Jags, and and I think that you know they they're gonna they're going to cause a lot of teams some issues, both on offense and defense. I think that that what we saw was them winning a game that they had to win, that they should win, and doing enough to do it without, you know, being great. And I think that it showed that they've still got plenty of improvement in them, both defensively and offensively. Um, you know, Josh Allen was amazing. Uh, I think we've we've we're getting used to that. You know, he had a really good season last year as well, um, and, and he's been around for a while and and has been a really good player. Um, but you know, I think they did a, a pretty good job of, um, of, of looking after Anthony Richardson, who's a bit of a wild card and weren't really sure what to expect. Um, especially with his legs, we thought that he was going to, going to do a fair bit on the ground. And I think he had 10, 10 runs for, for 40 yards. So he still did a little bit, but you know, you never know with a guy like that, who's so raw and there's actually not that much tape on him, um, in, in big games anyway. And he only had the 12 or 13 starts in college. So I think they did a pretty good job without being, overwhelming um the Colts are an interesting one just in that you don't know what to expect and they could lose every game for the season and potentially still perform above expectation um in terms of some of the effort that they put in some of the defensive pressure and uh the defensive plays that they're able to do they've still got plenty of plenty of quality um to to be able to cause issues for for a number of teams but yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of what we'll see this season is kind of that honourable loss where they put pressure on for for chunks of a game, but ultimately get outclassed. Um, 
Was there anything that you kind of saw that either impressed or, or didn't impress you around Indy? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with Anthony Richardson, who who could be anything, and, and certainly a wild card in that indie offense. He looked uh, he looks really really um, in control of his game. Obviously, he rushed for a touchdown through another. Michael Pittman had a strong start, which was great to see. Um, obviously, both were big on him last year, and um, a, a decent start for him. There's a glaring hole though in India at the moment, and it's at the running game, which they've kind of prided themselves on, and without Jonathan Taylor there and. Yeah, RB one day on Jackson just didn't cut the master, did he? And uh, I think that was going to be it's going to be a big gaping hole still for the Colts until Jonathan Taylor can either get back on the park um, or get traded. So yeah, interesting to see what happens in that game. But um, for now, I think um, they're going to have to throw the ball, and Anthony Richardson though he'll have a chance to do that in week two against the Texans. So um, Interesting matchup. One of those teams will get a win, which is um, good for, for confidence for either of those rookie quarterbacks. So um, might be a good segue into our next talking board point around CJ Stroud himself. Yeah, look, that's I, – I think CJ Stroud is going to be a pretty good player in this league. I think he's shown enough already. But the Houston Texans need to protect this guy. Um, you know, he, he got hit uh, so many times last week. I think he was sacked five times, but plenty of pressure. And and the the Texans really need to to protect this guy before, you know, he becomes another Andrew Luck and and a bunch of these guys, Carson Wentz, who who showed so much pressure, uh who who showed so much promise um mm-hmm. before ultimately just being hit too many times. And um, what did you make of the Texans? Disappointing, I think, is is one word to put it. I think they they started all right. Um, their defense was solid. Um, they pressured and um, put the Ravens in an awkward position. They they looked a bit sloppy. The Ravens. I'll we can get to that a little bit later. But yeah, I think um, the Texans just underwhelmed again on offense. They, despite obviously not being able to protect CJ Stroud, he didn't look great to me. He obviously um, didn't throw the ball downfield too much again. Hasn't got a heap of weapons at the moment to his disposal, but only completed five of his 10 attempts that were longer than, than nine yards. Um, yeah, a lot of short passing. In, in, and again, um, again, not not so much Stroud's fault yet because of the target situation and again, the protection. But yeah, like I, like I mentioned in our season preview, I think it's going to be another long season for the Texans and that... Um, Although, you know, you don't give them a they you do give them a chance to win here in week two against the Colts who, you know, that could be an absolute coin flip of a game. So um yeah, we know it's gonna be a long season in the AFC South for, for a couple of teams, but um yeah, obviously not too much to make of uh, the Texans yet. Not too much has changed in in Houston just yet. And and the Ravens? Yeah, the Ravens I thought were disappointing. I mean, obviously they got the win, um, comfortably in the end they won by a couple of possessions but they just look sloppy to me and I think um you know obviously losing JK Dobbins for the season now again which is a cruel blow for him let alone the the franchise but to just come back from an ACL and then to do your Achilles in week one um yeah pretty rough on the um you know exciting prospect he's been um such a you know such a kind of a bull when he's been playing but he just can't stay healthy unfortunately and um, but the key, the key thing for for the, for the Ravens um, was how good does Zay Flowers look? I think he's going to be an absolute mm. star, doesn't he? I think um, he automatically goes to their number one wide receiver. He's clearly ahead of OBJ, I think, and and there's obviously a little bit of chemistry there with Lamar. But 
that that's the other thing for the Ravens. I think Lamar looks pretty poor. Uh, obviously. Mm not to the MVP level that we've come to expect from him. He was he was pressured a lot throughout the game. He had had an had a bit of rust. Obviously he he kind of didn't play the second half of last year. So um, that's easily forgotten quickly and that he did have some injury concerns last year. He obviously signed that huge deal in the offseason, but a couple of intercept a couple of turnovers, including an interception and a fumble um, against a pretty lackluster team although their defense isn't too bad but yeah pretty disappointing I thought by the Ravens again it was a very comfortable win but um a sloppy win and doesn't kind of give me any confidence for Baltimore going into to week two um especially against um who have they got here just missed them on the run sheet here um they have got the Bengals so that's a huge game huge game in Cincinnati actually so um we'll get into that in a bit more detail Later on, it's one of the ones we've circled for a, for a bit of a preview. So, yeah, look, Baltimore, not sure. Um, again, sloppy week one, I think, but um, we'll get a bit more of a clearer picture in week two against the Bengals. Yeah, I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head with with the Ravens there. I mean, it was it was a comfortable win, like you said, but certainly not convincing. Um, you know, I, I think if they'd played just about any other team, mm. that, that wouldn't have been... Uh, yeah, a, a pretty game or, or a game that Ravens fans w- would have enjoyed watching. Um, obviously, you know, winning 25 to 9 ultimately w- was a pretty easy win in the end. But, you know, you're right on Lamar. He just doesn't look like Lamar Jackson MVP. And uh, there's got to be some concern on, on that, given he's, he's come off those injuries, he's had a preseason, he got paid. Um, they've got to be expecting more production out of their the, the face of their franchise. And, and obviously, like you mentioned, J.K. Dobbins is a huge blow. Um, the, the running back curse in Baltimore strikes again. Like It's just like every year for the last four or five years, their, their running backs just keep going down. And if you're Gus Edwards, um, you must be shaking in your boots because you're now the number one running back in Baltimore and it's only a matter of time before you get injured. So... Um, yeah, it's really, really interesting times for for Baltimore, and and I think you're right. We'll get more of an indication on on who they are and you know what do they stand for uh, this time next week after after their next game against the Bengals. But yeah, really interesting times, really interesting times for for Baltimore and and Ravens fans. Um, interesting times, the Los Angeles Rams mm. missing Cooper Cup, uh, obviously out for week one, but. You know, their, their two young receivers uh, were pretty impressive. Extremely impressive. I thought, um, you know, Tutu Atwell has blistering pace. We saw that last year in his rookie season. But he kind of took, um, yeah, another step forward. And then that Rams defense was all over C- Seattle, especially in the second half. They went from, mm. um, what was the score at halftime? I think they were leaving losing 13 to 6 or something uh, they were or, down 13 7 yeah 13 7 was it and and then obviously went on that run where they didn't allow another point for the Seahawks and and completely blew them away to win 30 13 and only allowed 12 yards in the second half so uh an incredible performance from LA um not one I saw coming that's for sure I think Matthew Stafford threw the ball around he shared it around but a, a huge effort from um a rookie in Puka Nakua um 10 catches, 120 yards, unbelievable performance. And um, he went undrafted. He he was um, – um, so, yeah, incredible story there. And then, like I said, Tutu Atwell, who showed flashes last year, but 
certainly didn't look like he'd develop into a, a, a wide receiver one or even two potentially as early as he has, mm. obviously, in week one. So really interesting. I think it's a bit of a flash in the pan, though, for the Rams. I wouldn't get too excited. Obviously, they've still got a guy called Aaron Donald on that defensive side who um, who was all over the Seahawks and Geno Smith on the weekend. But um, like I said, I think they'll get a bit of a reality check uh, against the Niners in week two. But Certainly a, a, an improved performance from the Rams and good to see them kind of scoring points again. They were such a stifled uh, offense last year, at the, well, at least in the second half of the year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that how that offense plays against a really good defense because I think there are still potentially some question marks around that Seattle Seahawks defense. But I think what was what was impressive for mine was, I know it was only, only two sacks, but it was like that Rams defense was back. They were just flying around all over the place, putting pressure on. Aaron Donald looked more like Aaron Donald than we've seen in a while. Byron Young. Uh, you know, these guys that, that are so athletic and so powerful and so strong and so quick, just flying around, putting pressure on and uh, harassing and chasing and, and tackling and hitting. You know, all of the things that they need to do to, to be a, a really good defense, they, they did. Um, and, you know, again, the, the, they've got a, a huge test next week. Um, and I'm not sure, I, I think we've, I think we'll learn more about them, um, from week one than we will against, against the Niners in week two, only because like you said, off the top, the Niners have kind of owned the Rams in recent times. Uh, and, and that might very well be the case, but that says more about the Niners than I think it does the Rams at this point. Um, but they were, they were impressive. They looked more like, um, you know, the Rams that we, we saw a couple of years ago and not like the outlier, really, really poor Rams that we saw last season. So I think there's some some cause for optimism there in uh, in LA. Um, another franchise with some cause for optimism, not quite there yet, but the Denver Broncos already look more efficient than they have in, in a while. Um, obviously, Russell Wilson, 27 of 34, 177 yards. Two touchdowns doesn't necessarily fly off the page, but you know, efficient, looking after the ball, no horrible um, turnovers. You know, they were just better. And, and we know they were missing Jerry Judy um, and they will get better. It was promising, I think. I know, I know you're maybe not as not as <laughs> bullish as I am, but um, I, I thought it was promising from uh, from Sean Payton's team. Well, I, I couldn't believe that I saw this written by you in the run sheet. I, I, I still think it was a disaster for the Broncos. Yes, they had to look better. Disaster. I think so. To lose to the Raiders week one at home, oh, I just think there was too much hype around the Broncos coming into the game. I think that was a brutal loss in terms of losing to a division foe uh, at home, like I mentioned, and then to only score 16 points again. So, again, that's your Achilles heel. They couldn't score last year. And, again, yes, they did look more efficient, Russell Wilson. Stat line doesn't look too bad, but... 27 completions and only 177 yards. That's the issue for me. He's not throwing the ball deep. That's his biggest, one of his biggest weapons is throwing the ball deep. Yes, I know Jerry Judy wasn't there, as you mentioned, but and he spread the ball around a lot. But these short completions just aren't getting the job done again. 16 points. I know they um, they had some some bad misses on um, special teams. Will Lutz missed a field goal, missed mm-hmm. an extra point, which potentially cost him the game in the end, who... Was a big off-season signing. Um, so Sean Payton knows Will Lutz very well from his time in New Orleans, but he completely disappointed. But 
uh, I think it was still a disaster for the Broncos. Maybe that is being a little bit harsh, but to only score 16 points, like I mentioned again, and then to come up short against a, a pretty weak Raiders team, we all think. Yeah, I think it's a very disappointing loss and a, a bad way to start the season. Well, well, I mean, I, I I agree with you that they didn't set the world on fire, but I'm not sure it was as much of a disaster as, as you make it out to be. I mean, like you said, they, they lost by a point and they left four points on the table mm. with, with Will Lutz missing that field goal and the extra point. Um, they very well could have won that game. Um, that final drive from from Jimmy G for, for the Raiders was impressive. I thought that it already looked like he's got some some pretty good chemistry there with his receivers and um, just being able to move the chains when when he had to. But what if I told you that according to DVOA, the Denver Broncos had the fourth most efficient offense of the of the week? See, uh, I, I believe that because DVO doesn't lie. A DVOA doesn't lie, but it doesn't already necessarily tell the tr- whole story sometimes. And I think sure. um, that's kind of what it comes down to is that they again. 16 points is just not enough to cut it in the NFL, um, especially against a, a Raiders defense who aren't world beaters at the very least. So, look, um, I think it's disappointing to say the least. But, again, it's week one. Sean Payton has just got the keys to his new car, and um, I think he'll be able to drive it better later in the season. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I still think it's disappointing uh, as much as Russell Wilson did look a bit better. Interesting. Well, we're we're on opposite pages there. We've we've been on the same page, I think, a little bit so far. But uh, opposite there, I think I think certainly promising. We're too boring. We need to start. Yeah, uh, we got to switch it up, don't we? We got to switch it up. But I think it was promising from the Broncos. Uh, obviously, not not quite there, but um, yeah, I think there's there's reason to be optimistic. I think if you're a, a Broncos fan, uh, you mentioned world beaters, Tua and Tyreek in that Miami offense. They are on fire already. Tyreek the Freak. Wow, we that is just a sensational start. Wow, what a game that was. Obviously the the highlight of week one was that was that shootout. And then the Dolphins defense kind of come up came up big at the end to, to secure that victory. And it's one they deserved, I think, going on the road and um, you know, flinging the ball around. Mike McDaniel's obviously a super exciting kind of coach. He leagues it all out there. But Tour and Tyreek, wow we. I mean, they were just sensational and and you know not to mention Jalen Waddle kind of chimed in as well and you know he's he's probably the best wide receiver too in the game but I I just thought that was a sensational performance and yeah kind of got me reevaluating. I think the Dolphins a little bit I mean I think they I always knew they were going to be strong but this is the thing and and probably what we we mentioned as well in the season preview is that they did have these performances last year but then the, they would come out and be inconsistent the following week or the the week after you know what I mean so they just need to keep doing it. Obviously, I don't expect that kind of stat line every every week from Tua and Tyreek, but um, they just need to be able to contain teams a little bit more. They don't want to be in, in shootouts like that every week, although it's as it it exciting as it was for us viewers. But um, that's just the one they um, they were they were completely dominated, um, you know, in terms of the, the Chargers rushing attack kind of ran all over them. That, that's probably the concern for the Dolphins this week. But... Uh, yeah, it, it, very exciting. Mm. It's very exciting. 466 yards from Tua. Um, yeah, unbelievable. So super, super exciting. And I mean, high-powered offense is is just so good to watch. And and like you said, it was it was a bit of a shootout between that um, air raid game in in Miami and the ground ground and pound game for uh, for the Chargers. Um, but I mean, the, the biggest thing for for Miami, obviously, they've got to you know they've got to step up to the plate defensively, but you know, if if Tua Tagovailoa can stay fit and healthy, 
and you know there is so much uh opportunity for the for the dolphins um we saw in the first was it four or six weeks of of last season i think tyreek hill was on on record pace in terms of receiving yardage and and that sort of stuff and and that was after you know just just arriving in miami they've now had a, a full full off season together um you know as well as having spent all of last year together. So, yeah, I think the sky's the limit with this offense. If they can get their ground game humming, yeah, it's not quite there yet. They had Raheem Mostert there uh, as the number one runner. It's interesting to see if they make any moves to, to kind of upgrade that um, that running game for, for Miami. But, yeah, it was just that was just a, a fun game to watch, just a super fun game to watch. And um, I didn't think the Chargers were all that bad, but I think as, as we've spoken about a number of times over the last probably – 12 to 18 months I think there was just some some coaching mishaps you know Brandon Staley just doesn't seem to to learn from his mistakes and um again I thought it was kind of the coaching and the play calling that kind of held that held the charges back yeah I, I completely agree I think that's been the one of their biggest weaknesses has been the the head coach unfortunately um like you said they're uber talented all over the field and we saw we saw that on the field again this week and, and a huge improvement or huge deficiency for the Chargers last year was that run defense. Obviously, Miami aren't going to run all over you. They've got a pretty – one of the weaker running running back rooms in, in the league. But they were significantly improved on that. But uh, I think, like you said, just some play calling and some some uh, late game management again by the, the Chargers coaching staff, in, in particular head coach Brandon, Brandon Staley. So – one to you know, one to keep an eye on in, in LA. Again, I think he doesn't survive this year. Obviously, if they don't make the playoffs, he's gone and mm. might be a, a mid-season move if they if they're struggling. I think he's on very thin ice in LA, especially with that that roster that we've mentioned. But yeah, I'm not sure what a pass mark is for the Chargers this year. What do you think? Do you, I mean, do they have to win the division to to kind of make it a successful season, or is it just a wild card spot at the very least? Or I think it has to be playoffs. What wild card, yeah. It has to be playoffs, wildcard spot at at the very least. Um, but I think they've got to take steps in mm-hmm. in the right direction. I think they've kind of stagnated over the last two seasons, and and I think it's mainly been at at the coaching level. Um, you know, so it's I think playoffs is absolutely that the the pass or fail. If they don't make playoffs, then it's a failure of a season again. Um, but you know, it is a it is a tough division. They've got it. They've got a fair hurdle to get over if they want to win that division. Um, but look, I think the sky's the limit. We've talked about it uh, a number of times. There's so much talent on both sides of the ball there. They've just got to put it all together. Um, speaking of another another shootout, at least <laughs> one way, the Cowboys and the Giants. Uh, you've you've been pretty bullish on the Giants for, for a while now. What did you make of... Uh, the big blue. Ah, oh, the big blue. Little blue had a big blue. That's for sure. That was um, an absolute disaster, and I was shocked. I I didn't actually tune in to that game, and I saw. I think it was when it was about thirty three nil when I finally checked the score or managed to see the score on Monday. And goodness me, that's not what I expected. All the game script to kind of um, be like that. Obviously, the defense was all over um, Daniel Jones. They just couldn't protect him. Um, he made when he did try and make some plays. He he forced the ball, and obviously created more turnovers. Yeah, it was just a, a dirty day for the Giants who, you know, to stink it up like that in your home opener is an dis- absolute disaster and especially against one of your, <laughs> your biggest and um, most fierce rivals. So, yeah, an absolute 
dirty day for the New York Giants, but I think they'll um, they'll shrug that one off. I don't think it's too much cause for concern. Obviously, it's a it's a heavy heavy defeat, but um, yeah, I don't think it kind of um, you know defines their season. If we if I shall, like I think um, they'll still be competitive and around that kind of five hundred mark for mine. But um, yeah, any any signs of progress or anything was was quickly um, diminished <laughs> against that Cowboys defense, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, they really, they really need to come out firing uh, in Arizona in week two because I think a, a result like that has the ability to blow up your season really quickly if you don't turn it around. Um, I mean, that's just a, a, an absolutely horrific way to start your season, especially when there was so much promise. Um, you know, saw the way they finished last season, and, and I think that mm. they, you know, they would have gone into the season really believing that they can challenge for a division title, knowing what the the uh, the NFC East has been like o- over the last, you know, decade or, or two. They would have really thought that they're a chance to, if they take a step forward, and and maybe it takes the Eagles regressing and the Cowboys regressing a little bit, but they would have really gone in thinking that they can challenge in that division and they can, you know, again, um, if not win the division, then at least at least be a comfortable wildcard team uh, in the NFC, and that must be a hell of a blow to the confidence. Um, even the fact that you know you look at the Cowboys' offense and you look at you know, they they're a pretty high powered offense on their own, but they were nineteen zip up before they even scored an offensive touchdown. I mean, it was just <laughs> incredible to watch. Um, it it was one of the most um, one way beatdowns I've seen in in quite a while. And and you know I hate praising the Cowboys, but that was that was scary good from their defense and and then kind of they just toyed with them you know in the second half they just toyed with them and and yeah it was just so easy so i mean for for the sake of the division i really hope that uh the giants can pull it pull it back and um you know get get back on track because you know you, as an eagles fan you don't want to see the cowboys run away with a division like that but um <laughs> Hopefully yeah. it was a, a bit of a blip and, and it was it was the Giants just not turning up and, and not actually how good the Cowboys are. Um, but I guess I guess we'll see. But that was uh it was a little bit a little bit scary to watch the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfect opportunity for the Giants this week or to bounce back in week two. They've got probably the the worst team in, in football at the moment in the um Cardinals. So it's a perfect opportunity for Daniel Jones and his team to bounce back pretty strongly, but uh, very interesting matchup in week two for the Cowboys. They've got the Jets coming to town. That is going to be interesting. Two of the better defenses in the league, mm. especially what we saw from New York uh, today, our time here in Australia. But uh, look, I think, um, yeah, it, it'll be, you know, the Cowboys are going heavy favourites to that one. And I think um, we'll learn a lot more seeing them play against um the Jets this week, although they are only going to be up against Zach Wilson rather than Aaron Rodgers, which is a bit disappointing for all concerned. But uh, yeah, I think uh, the G-Men, uh, like you said, just a blip and hopefully they can they can f- come back and, and fight back for a, um, a bit more of a competitive uh, season. But yeah, Josh Allen, mate, this is the one we want to talk, I want to talk about in most detail and the Bills. I'm a very concerned after week one. I think the the main concern for me is 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 what I mentioned off the top is just those turnovers from from a guy who led the league in turnovers last year. He had 19 turnovers last year. He's already had four in week one. 
three really bad passes, which are all on him. I don't think they were any of the receivers' faults. They were all, um, you know, squarely to blame on on Allen's throws. And to be picked off from the same guy three times is, is pretty um, pretty demoralizing as well. But another key concern for mine is, yeah, that run game again. Um, was supposed to progress this year. James Cook was a little bit slow, uh, 12 carries at 46 yards, didn't really get the job done. But the main concern, again, Stefan Diggs is the only receiver in, in Buffalo at the moment. 32 yards was the next most, I think, that anyone had. It's just not enough. I mean, as good as Diggs is, he can't do it all on his own, and Alan needs to share the love, and Gabe Davis needs to take a big step. Um this year and he hasn't yet. Well, obviously it's week one, but he didn't really have really progress last year. And I, I just feel like he's, his time is running out. Do they need to make another big off off season signing? Can they go with, can they go after someone like Mike Evans, Nick, I think is mm-hmm. you know potentially up for grabs yep. um, in a rebuild year for Tampa Bay, potentially despite them winning, obviously, but you know, someone like that, this can be a bit more of a, a, a threat, a deep threat for, for um, Josh Allen to help. Yeah. Diggs. I, I think you're spot on. And, and obviously as the season progresses, we'll talk more about kind of who might be available at, at the deadline for, for a mid-season kind of upgrade. And, and I think you're right about Evans. You know, I think he will, I think he will be available. I think we've seen that, you know, despite a bunch of the, the injuries that he's kind of had to face over the last couple of years, he's still uh, a very, very good player. I think you know, Gabe Davis, we, we've had high expectations on for, for a while now. We kind of were expecting a breakout season from him last season um, after the prior playoff series. Um, but it just hasn't happened. And I think you're right. You know, whether it's whether it's a play calling issue and, and Sean McDermott just doesn't trust the rest of the receiver core, or if it's Josh Allen that, that doesn't trust the rest of the receiver core, um, you know, there are some question marks uh, around that offense at the moment. It's not something that, you know, if you look at it on paper, it's probably not something that, that you look at and go, there's there's questions. But, you know, Josh Allen, um, Damian Harris, Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, James Cook, you know, there's, there's talent there. Um, but, you know, there are there are plenty of question marks. And I was really intrigued to see, I guess, what, what you were going to take from that game. Um, obviously, we know the the Jets' defense is is – you know, one of the better units in, in the competition. I think we'll see that over the next um, couple of weeks. I think we'll see that over the course of this season. They are a pretty good defense. Um, one of the question marks I have over Josh Allen is almost every almost every preseason and offseason, we hear that you know he's going to start um, protecting himself a bit more. They're going to protect Josh Allen. You know, he's not going to go headfirst into contests and you know potentially try and save the legs a little bit. And then you know, week one. And there he is, just running headfirst into into <laughs> contests. And um, I, I don't know if it's just kind of the fallback option, like when he when he panics, when he doesn't have another option, or he doesn't feel like he's got another option. But they've got to get better. They've got to have a plan B. Like you said, if if Stefan Diggs isn't open, they've got to have a plan B, and they've got to get more out of those guys that are around Josh Allen and uh, and Stefan Diggs, and and that sits. With Josh Allen, he's got to make better decisions. He's got to, you know, he's got to take more initiative to, rather than pushing forward so quickly, but step back into the pocket and wait. You know, trust your your offensive line to to keep defenses at bay. Obviously, this, like we said, this, this Jets defense is really good. Um, 
but against potentially some some weaker defensive units, you know, he's just got to take some more time and be smarter. And I think that's been the one the one issue. We know how athletic he's been. We know how um, dynamic he is. We know how strong and powerful he is. But he's got to be smarter when he's got the ball and make better decisions. Um, and, and that really is a, a question mark, I think, um, particularly for you Bills fans. Um, you know that, that yeah, I guess still a Bills fan. Still, still a Bills, Bills fan. fan. That's good. We'll. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks. But um, you know, the the Jets. I mean, could that storyline have gone any worse? I mean, I guess it, it could have. Maybe yeah. it could have been the first play, and not the fourth. Well, they could play, have lost as well. They could have lost, but but the Aaron Rodgers, the Aaron Rodgers story, yeah, and the fanfare, and and all of that, and ultimately they end up with Zach Wilson. Well, they could potentially not have Aaron Rodgers. Well, obviously, I don't think he's going to play again for this season, but. Is that the end of his career? I, I really hope not that that's the way it ends for him. But, I mean, at his age, coming back from an Achilles, mm. a serious Achilles injury after watching a couple of the replays, especially um, if you guys would follow us on social media, you would have seen Nick post the 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 point where you could see it pop and it was just, oh, oh it gives, you just know the pain shiver, that you would have been in. Yeah, it really does. And, look, I think just to your point quickly, going back to the Bills quickly, was just the fact that, they just didn't play smart. I mean, Rogers went down. They just had to play and change their game style a little bit. Just protect the ball. Know that, you know, the Jets' offense wasn't really going to hurt you. Um, I mean, they did score that touchdown, but, you know, really they were not going to score some, some major points. Garrett Wilson had to, you know, that amazing catch to, to get them points. But, look, I think um, just trying to force the ball was, was just silly and, um, you know, he always wants to be a bit of a gunslinger, Josh Allen, and it just was, um, yeah, just needed to kind of change, change the script a bit. You know, the, the Bills' defense themselves are talented; they they they're going to create problems for for most offenses. So, look, it was just a disappointing the fact that they how they lost and why they lost in this week one. But yeah, I think the Jets such an interesting watch now with with Zach Wilson back, who mm. essentially had been discarded by the club. I know he's still on the roster and, and people like um, Mike White aren't, but he's been, you know, through the ringer in New York. He's been benched and cut and started and all kinds of things, how many times, but he's going to be the guy now. He's going to step up and he's his, this is his last chance in New York for sure and, you know, potentially the league. So the onus is on him. Uh, he's got an amazing talented defense behind him he's got a pretty talented offense to mind you as well with with guys like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson there as well um can't complain in terms of his weapons so look huge game week two as we just mentioned against the Cowboys it would be a massive story if they could go into Dallas and knock them off I don't see that kind of happening after what we saw in uh from Dallas in week one but goodness me that would be a story and um yeah, who knows what with the Jets now with Aaron Rodgers? It changes their whole season um, trajectory, doesn't it? And mm, um, it, it really does. It's shattering for for anyone that does support the Jets. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you know they've been long suffering. They finally get their their savior essentially, and um, he's out in the first play of the game. So yeah, a rough start for the Jets, but uh, important that they got the win in the end. Um, so it, it kind of glosses over it for five minutes and then they realized <laughs> back that, Oh yeah, we haven't got a quarterback for the rest of the after the <laughs> It's look, it's, it's really unfortunate for the jets, but I think if, if nothing else, you know, I guess we'll get more of a sense of what that looks like 
seeing some more of Jordan Love in Green Bay, but you know, from all reports over the offseason, Aaron Rodgers has been a really good mentor for Jordan Love and whether or not he can be that same guy for, for Zach Wilson. I mean, that's the difference really for Zach Wilson now is he's got, mm. he's got Aaron Rodgers behind him, you know, helping him, mentoring him, providing him with experience and, and wisdom and, and you know, almost unmatched knowledge of the, of the quarterback position. Um, to draw on, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see to see if if he can improve now that he's got some more talent around him. Now, you know, his defense is really good, and um, you know, another year into the the likes of of Garrett Wilson um, at receiver, and and we saw that that catch that, that he took the touchdown catch is just, I mean, he's just super impressive, and um, you know, it 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 almost makes them a more intriguing watch now the Jets than had Aaron Rodgers played out that game and, and been fine going into next week. But uh, yeah, really interested to see how that, how that plays out. Have there been any, I guess, standout performances you wanted to, to touch on? Obviously, you know, always talk about TJ Watt and he's, he's always my, my guy, but um, anyone that kind of stood out for you in week one? I think he, we already kind of touched on it with um, the, the Miami um, review, I suppose. Yeah. To a, to a tug of a lot. I won't try and pronounce his last name. I always get it, get a tongue twisted. But yeah, Tua's performance, um, 466 yards, incredible. And then Tyreek Hill as well, 215 yards to lead their respective um, stat lines of pass yards and receiving yards. They're the two clear standouts in offense. And then um, Christian McCaffrey was one of the few that rushed out for over 100 yards. He got over 150, in fact. So um, they're some of the big stat leaders from week one on the offensive end. And then obviously, as I just mentioned, Jordan Whitehead, Three interceptions, if you don't mind, of Josh mm. Allen um, to lead that category as well. Maybe the the, the Trayvon Diggs of, of this season, potentially. Mm. We'll, we'll see. But um, shout out to Bobby Wagner back in Seattle. Uh, yes. Leading the league in week one in tackles. And um, I mean, he just, he just makes such a difference, doesn't he, Bobby Wagner? He's just such a beast um, and such a leader for that, that defense as well. Um, some quick power rankings. Uh, we spoke about the Niners and the Cowboys being one and two. Um, I've probably got the Niners at one. Uh, I think you do as well, based on, on what you said earlier. I think I've just got them there uh, in in week one here, just because they've got the runs on the board. You know, we know that they can do it both ways. Um, we saw some of the struggles that the Cowboys had down the stretch last season, um, whereas the Niners are just you know almost flawless almost every week. Um, and that's why I've got them just ahead at week one. I know it's, it's hard to use kind of past performances in, in terms of power rankings, but um, that's why I've got the Niners one and two. You've surprised me. You've got my uh, my Eagles at number three. Any uh, any specific reason there? I, I still think the Eagles should be at three. I mean, for, for a start there, um, they won. Uh, they won and zip compared to some of the other big teams that would have been you know, around that mark uh, before the season, like in the Chiefs, Bengals and Bills, I think all would have been around that four, five, six uh, or top five kind of mark. But the fact that they lost kind of slides them down slightly. So I've got the Eagles in in three, obviously um, reigning NFC champs, got off to a really hot start against the Patriots. You thought they would kind of run up the score, similar to what the Cowboys did against the Giants. But to the Patriots' credit, they really fought back and, Potentially could have won that game, obviously, at the end. There was a really bad fumble by by Jalen Hurts, unfortunately, at the end to kind of give him a chance to to win the game. But I was keen to kind of talk about the Eagles. I know we haven't really touched on them yet in this mm. episode, but just quickly, your your quick thoughts on them and, and 
I mean, obviously, no concerns again. You got the got the win, bit of rust. The offensive mm. line wasn't as good. Maybe that's probably a slight concern. But yeah, what did you think of uh, what did you think of the first half performance? Rusty, rusty mm. is probably a good a good way to put it. Um, you know, I think for for a lot of the starters, it was really kind of their first real hit out together. Um, you know, that they, they had a long postseason, obviously, um, and you know, some changes on. on on the offensive line, some changes on the defensive line. You know, I think it was always going to take some time to to kind of get them back on the same page, uh, especially when you know, you're coming up against a team like the Pats uh, at home you know, with that defense that that we know that they've got. You know, we spoke about it last last week on our season previews how much we underrated them going into last season, and, and they proved us wrong at, at a number of levels. They're, they're a really impressive unit. I think offensively they've improved, obviously. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien coming as the, the offensive coordinator in, in New England um, looked like uh, Mac Jones liked the O'Brien offense. Um, mm. And, yeah, I think positive signs for the Pats. I think positive for, for the Eagles in that they were very rusty and, and they were certainly a far, a far cry from, I guess, what we saw offensively from them last season um but plenty of room for improvement and to come away from um from new england with a win is always a good thing um no matter how good the pats are you know it's always tough to win over there and so to to come out of there with with a win was good um and onwards and upwards i think defensively you know they're always going to be they're always going to be tough good to see uh jalen carter kind of step in yeah um almost looked like he'd been there for years. You know, dude's just a, just an absolute beast. Um, I actually read somewhere that he had the most uh, the most pressures for a rookie um, of any rookie in the last five or six years, which was uh, which is pretty impressive. Like, the dude's yeah, just, it's, it's, just a beast. Six pressures he had, which was a team high as well on the day, and then um, obviously got a sack as well. So, yeah, monster debut for Jalen Carter. So, he... Um, yeah, he's fit right in, hasn't he, into that Eagles D in Eagles front seven. Yeah, so I mean, just just to I guess answer your question, um, promising because they were rusty and they still won in New England, and I'll take that to start with. But um, yeah, still plenty plenty of work to do, I think. Yeah, never easy going on the road week one. So um, I think they slot into the number three power rankings. As I mentioned, I think I've got those three AFC teams who all lost in the probably the next. Um, in the next line there before I kind of go back to the one and O teams of Miami, Detroit, New York, and Jacksonville. So really interesting, uh, really interesting kind of list that, that you've put together here. So just, just for those listening, um, Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Jets, Jags into the Chargers and the Ravens. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that, but I am wondering where you've got the Packers in the pecking order. Yeah, I think obviously the Packers still have to be in the first half of that of the of the league there. So, but yeah, they they'd be probably right behind the Ravens there, and and again, probably the reason I've put the Ravens at twelve. And again, I haven't gone into to a full one to thirty two, but. I'd probably put the Ravens at that twelve where I've cut it off because of the reason. Um, that we kind of predicted in terms of the preseason. I think it's based off what we know they could do, what they've done in previous seasons. And again, I know you mentioned, yeah, runs on the board doesn't always count for power rankings. But um, I think when you're 
in week one, they kind of have to count for something, those those previous results. But um, a little bit of unknown still in Green Bay and um, it might have been a flash in the pan. It might have been the fact that they played a really awful team in the Chicago Bears who I've, for good measure, I've got them down in, in 30th spot in the pecking order, um, <laughs> only ahead of the Texans and the Cardinals at I this think- stage. I think that's pretty fair. I think that's pretty fair. And, and maybe over the next few weeks as kind of things settle in and, and we get a bit more of an understanding of, of where kind of, you know, each franchise sits within their division and their conference. Um, maybe we can expand some more on, on power rankings each week and yeah. maybe give it a, give it a bit more of a, a priority, but looking ahead to, to week two, um, we're not going to go through every game, obviously. Um, and, and again, until we've got a bit more of an idea of, you know, who's who and, and what's what in, in the landscape. I'm probably not going to go into too much detail, but you've highlighted a couple of couple of matchups here in, in week two, starting with uh, the Vikings going into into the link to, to face the Eagles as one that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, look, I think it's a really interesting matchup, not only for the for the Vikings, who, by the way, went into this matchup in the exact pretty much, I think it was it week two last year as well that they went into, uh, it might have been week three or three or, or four, I think later. it was, yeah. Yeah, it might yeah. have been a little bit later in the season when the Vikings were undefeated and they got absolutely humiliated by the Eagles on that night. Uh, I think that was a Monday night football game. Kirk Cousins back on prime time again. Thursday night football is <laughs> not so bad for him as it is for Monday night, but um, I think the Eagles again will, will flex their muscles and um, have a big win over the the Vikings, who are one of the disappointments of week one. I know we haven't touched on them yet, mm. but to go to to start the season at home, lose to a, a really, well, on paper, look like a really pretty un, un, um, uninspiring Tampa Bay Buccaneers outfit. Yeah. Really disappointing for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, who, um, you know, again, poor Justin Jefferson just looked um, a class above, didn't he? 150 yards um, without barely breaking a sweat. He's an absolute beast. And and what about the tackle he did as well um, on that on that interception? Did you see the tackle he made um, on defense? I can't remember who he intercepted, but he absolutely laid out one of the um, Tampa Bay um, defenders <laughs> who had intercepted one of um, Kirk Cousins' balls and Justin Jefferson just showed how athletic and um, talented the, the man is. But Could be a defensive back. Yeah, oh, he could. You, you know, he's one of the guys that you could put anywhere, but and and he could be a star. But, um, yeah, disappointing, disappointing um, start from from the Vikings, who had obviously three turnovers in the first half, which doesn't help. And then, um, yeah, they were chasing their tail and and went down. So, like you like you mentioned, the preseason was it? It's at the time we see the Vikings luck turn. We obviously they obviously rode their luck a lot last year, winning a, a heap of close games. And, mm. It's not the start they would have wanted, and and it and they're staring down the barrel of an zero two start going into Philadelphia on Thursday night football. Yeah, I I have to say that that I was kind of fifty fifty in that I was surprised that the Bucks beat the Vikings, but on the other hand, I wasn't really given the way it played out and, and all those things that we talked about on on the preview for the Vikings. In that, at some point, they were going to regress. You know, a, a, a team can't continue to win those one possession games week after week after week, um, and and certainly when you're talking about those close close games, one point, three points, six points, etc. So much of you know those final plays come down to luck, and we know that there was you know, a massive comeback there, um, and good on them for that one. But you know, a bunch of those those other small victories 
you know, could have gone either way. And somehow last season, they all fell the way of the Vikings uh, until the playoffs. And then, you know, they got demolished. Uh, and, you know, I think it just, um, it just speaks to the way that, that, you know, you can't, you can't hang your hat on being able to win those close ones all the time because it's not, that's, that's not how reality plays out. Um, they, they got a lot of luck at the end of games last season and they, they managed to pull things out, but I don't think that we can expect them to do it again this season. And, and this was just, uh, I think an example of that. Um, the Ravens and the Bengals, obviously a, a big, uh, division matchup. Uh, the Ravens, like we touched on earlier, a bit of an uninspiring, comfortable win. Uh, and the Bengals, a demoralizing loss. Um, how do you see this one playing out? <sighs> yeah, it's a, it's a monster clash for the for the AFC North for for one. Um, it's a it's a must win for the Bengals um, to get back to one and one. Uh, they were zero and two though to start last year before they. I think they finished 16 and 3, uh, 16 and 3, 13 and 3, didn't they? So, I mean, they had an unbelievable run post those first two weeks. So, again, no cause for concern. If they did lose this one, though, I would be a little bit more concerned, especially if they've lost to two defense, uh, two uh, division rivals, especially, which puts you behind the eight ball for one. But secondly, mm-hmm. the fact of what I've just saw from the Ravens in week one, you don't want to be losing to them this week. I think. Um, they're, they've got them at a good time. They can bounce back, especially if conditions stay favourable and, and, you know, they can get their aerial attack working. Joey Burrow can get another week of rest, um, you know, after, you know, nursing a calf injury for most of the preseason. So, look, I think um, no concern for the Bengals. They should be winning this one. Um, but, yeah, I'd want to be seeing them win, especially as a Bengals fan. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be very disappointed and a little bit concerned if they did fall to the Ravens in this one. But, yeah. Uh, Interesting to see what Baltimore do at this stage. It looks like they're going to stay within the running back room. They're not going to get a Leonard Fournette or a Kareem Hunt, one of the free agents, in to be their RB1. It looks like they're going to start Gus Edwards or Justice Hill, probably the uh, the former there, um, and then see how it plays out. They've got Melvin Gordon on their practice squad as well. So there are, there is a little bit of depth in Baltimore. They've obviously got Lamar Jackson. He's pretty much their, their RB1 as well. But um, concern is that they don't have Mark Andrews yet. He might be missing another week. Um, they also lost um, um, Marcus Williams, their safety as well, um, who won't play this week either. So a few injury concerns for the for the Ravens, who will be on the road uh, in Cincinnati, who will be very, very hungry for a win. I, I think you're pretty much spot on. I think you've hit the nail on the head there and probably don't need to talk about it too much more. But I think the question marks uh, come for the Bengals uh, if they don't get up in this one, given the situation mm. in, in Baltimore, given what we saw out of them against a really lackluster Houston Texans last week, and given the fact that they've got to come back, the Bengals have to bounce back from that. Um, you know, and, and I think that they'll come out firing. I think they're going to hit the Ravens hard. Uh, and I think that, that we might see them. I know it's a division rivalry game, and we know that they can they can go down to the wire. They can be hard for tough wins. But I, I have a feeling that we see the Bengals come out firing uh, and potentially put up two or three touchdowns in, in, in the first quarter um, and just hit them, you know, really come out and smack them in the mouth. And, um, yep. you know, I think for, for the sake of, of the AFC, um, I think that would be a good thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that's what we get out of the, uh, out of the Bengals. Another one that you've highlighted here is the chiefs and Jags for, for obvious reasons. Um, 
obviously the Jags one and zip the Chiefs uh, losing that that season opener to the Lions. Um, you think the think the Chiefs come out hard in this one? Look, yeah, Chris Jones back. Hopefully, Travis Kelsey back as well for this one. But um, yeah, like I said, rematch of that divisional game last year. Um, the Chiefs beat them obviously and eliminated the Jags last year. It's, it's a great opportunity for Jacksonville at home. Uh, are coming off a win. Obviously, the Chiefs coming off a loss. They are going to be well-rested after the, the longer break playing on Thursday night football. But the Jags, great opportunity. Why not? I mean, this is the this is the games that Trevor Lawrence will be wanting to play in. These are the games that he'll be wanting to win um, to prove himself that he is a potential MVP threat and a a true true um, star of the competition. Um, they couldn't have started any more impressively on off. Um you know, well, well, they could have definitely. They they def- definitely didn't have their own their whole way against the um, the Colts. As I mentioned, they had a few turnovers. Um, that's going to have to be resurrected um, or you know fixed in this one because uh, you lose a turnover battle to Kansas City. It's not often you get to win. So mm. uh, look, very interesting matchup. You've got the you have to pick the Chiefs um, at the moment. It's not too often they lose two in a row. Um, and especially with those stars returning, it looks like they should be, yeah, Chiefs for mine, but it would be great to see the Jags kind of make a statement. Um, as much as I don't want, I'm not a Kansas City hater by any stretch, but it would be great to see the Jags come out and, w- and win this one. Mm, really interesting one because I think the Jags would be feeling pretty confident. I know it wasn't it wasn't a, a massively inspiring win against the Colts last week, but knowing what they, knowing what they did down the stretch last season, um, Knowing that the offensive line in in Kansas City is probably not their strongest point, um, and you know they've got Josh Allen, who's who's you know a, a beast in close, and and if he can get to to Patrick Mahomes, then anything can happen. But I, I do expect that that Chiefs offense will improve. Um, whether it's enough to to kind of be the difference maker. Uh, in week two, I'm not sure, or, or whether it's going to take a little bit more time, especially without Travis Kelsey. Um, but yeah, you know, I I do think the Chiefs win this one, but I I think the Jags would be going into this one feeling pretty confident that that, that they can sink the Chiefs to to zero and two. Um, one that I wanted to to quickly mention um, that that you haven't highlighted here is is the Packers and Falcons because it's the the only game in the early slate. Uh, of two winning teams from last week, the Packers and the Falcons. Um, and we haven't touched on the Falcons yet, but I thought they were impressive, might be too strong, but they showed yeah. they showed a lot of positive signs, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I think that's pretty well put. I think, um, you know, they were, they were close to impressive, but not quite. But uh, I think they affirmed themselves as definite threats in the in that division and, and the one to challenge the Saints for sure, I think. They look like the next uh, the next cab off the rank, and if you know the Saints slip up for any reason, or in, in for that matter, um, we can't write off the Bucks yet. They're sitting at one and zip as well. But um, you know, on paper, it looked like the Saints' division to to lose. But um, I did mention in the preview last week that the Falcons could be a sneaky and, and might mm. be the ones to kind of keep an eye on. And I think they've started well. I mean, yes, they played the Panthers, they played a rookie QB, but um, again, their their defense looks solid. Um, they certainly look good on the ground. They they made um, they made a lot of good plays. Uh, they got their rookie into the end zone as well. Their number four overall pick. So look, I think um, 
good signs going ahead for Atlanta at this stage. And yeah, really interesting matchup, as you mentioned, two one and zip teams. Um, the only such matchup of the early slate. So one to keep an eye on for sure. There are there are a couple in the in the second Sunday mm. slate, the Niners and Rams, both one and zip. Uh and the Jets and Cowboys, which we've kind of touched on a little bit already, um, going back to, to their week one victories. But uh Jets defense, Cowboys offense. Who That's who has the runs game. on the board? Yeah, that I think the Cowboys offense you kind of have to take on trust at this stage. Um they're certainly more potent than that Jets offense, but um yeah, that might come down to how well the Cowboys offense can play or if they can score points. We know their defense is gonna keep them in the game for a long time and yeah, just a really interesting matchup. Can't wait for it just to see what happens with, with Zach Wilson and the like. So um they're always gonna be fun to watch this year, the Jets, just for the fact that they've got two absolute studs, um, you know, that they could be anything in terms of Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. So mm. They're going to be great to watch. That defense is going to be exciting as well. And, and we, yeah, be interesting to see if the Cowboys can back up what they did in week one. Yeah, I, I think they can. I think you're right. The Cowboys are, are stronger um, pretty much all over the field. Um, you know, both both sides of the ball. Um, the Jets are really strong defensively, but the Cowboys have, you know, a really strong defense and a really strong offense. And and I think that, you know, if, you, if you've got both of those, you're going to be hard to beat most weeks. I think the big thing is that Dak Prescott's really got to look after the ball. You know, you can't, despite the fact that it'll be Zach Wilson um, under center, you know, you just can't, you can't give teams the ball back all the time. And and we know that the Jets defense is going to jump on any opportunity that that they can um, for turnovers, for interceptions, for sacks, et cetera. Um, They're going to keep pressuring you. Uh, play after play after play, and if the Cowboys can can hold the ball, I think they win. I think it's as simple as that. If if they turn over, if they turn over the ball a number of times, then it gives it just gives the Jets an opening, and and you just don't want to do that. Um, but I think you're right. I think the Cowboys are just stronger uh, across across the field. Uh, the Dolphins and Patriots. Dolphins, obviously, that high powered offense that we've already spoken to, and the Pats, really solid, really strong defense. Um, are you sticking with the Dolphins here? I think I have to. I mean, um, on the road, second week in a row, always tough as well. Um, they've obviously just come from the West Coast back across to the East. They've got a very interesting matchup against the Patriots. So, again, you know, you push you guys all the way. And uh, I, I rate, obviously, the Eagles super highly. So um was pleasantly surprised by the Patriots. Be, I think for me it's it's how how much that, um, the, that Patriots defense, who – Again, looked really good. I mean, they they limited Jalen Hurts. Uh, they they stopped a, a very good offense in, in in Philadelphia. But yeah, if they can kind of contain Tyreek and that um, what we saw on the weekend, uh, if they can make it a bit more of a, a ground game for for Miami, um, they're well within that contest. But at this stage, you have to lean to Miami, I think. But yeah, definitely right up into it, uh, right up in it, right up to their eyeballs. The uh, Pats in that one for sure. Big Sunday night game. It's a good. It's a good Sunday night game. That one. Yeah, absolutely, and and always tough to beat at home, uh, at Foxborough, and we know that it is a tough. It is a tough trip for the Dolphins. You know, we, we know kind of the weather differences between Miami and um, and New England and and all those sorts of things. But it looks like actually, while it's going to rain pretty much most of the week in Massachusetts, I think it's going to be sunny and warm on Sunday, and so. 
you know, that could actually play into the hands of the Dolphins. And I think if, if they can, you know, if, again, if they can keep a hold of the ball and, and not give the Pats too many chances on defense to take advantage of, of their own strengths, then, you know, I think that they, I think that they can win this fairly easily. Um, but I'm still, I'm still undecided on the Pats. I'm still undecided on the Pats. They, they raise enough question marks, uh, you know, with, with with the Eagles in Week One that I think that they could be a sneaky good team if if that offense can can step up. And it looked like they were on the right path last week. So there are there are some questions there. But I think I think you're right. I think you've got to stick with the Dolphins at the moment. Um, Finishing up with the Saints and the Panthers and the Browns and Steelers. What do you like out of those two? Why the hell is there two Monday night games overlapping? Can I, can I ask that? Is that for a reason? I mean, it, it must be. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, it surprised me when I was putting this this run sheet together this afternoon. Um, and I honestly haven't had enough time to try and work out why. Uh-huh. So I, just, I was just trying to look at it. So one game starts... Australian Eastern time at quarter past nine and the next one at ten pa- quarter past ten. So it, it just doesn't make sense to me. But, um, yeah, two Monday night games for us to enjoy. But obviously the pick of the bunch there, um, uh, two division games as well, these ones. But, yeah, I think Browns and Steelers obviously takes the cake and is the later game. And that's where our, my eyeballs will be going on Tuesday after uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm intrigued by this one only because I'm I'm – I was impressed by the Browns in week one, and, and obviously um, I'm the biggest skeptic when it comes to Cleveland. I've, I've talked about it for years on, on this show, um, that at some point, doesn't matter how well they start the season. I think I said last week, they could be seven and three or eight and two or whatever, and then completely shit the bed and and, and fall apart down the stretch. Um, but, you know, th- this, I, I did get the feeling that maybe this Browns team is different. Uh, obviously, very very small sample size. We need to see some consistency, but they looked good. They looked good, and you know the Steelers Steelers defense is is going to cause that offense trouble. And I think you know that's where the question marks are on on the Browns offense. We we know how good Nick Chubb is on the ground. Um, you know, I think there are still some questions around Deshaun Watson uh, and the passing game. But you know this is going to be a, a really a really intriguing matchup to see how far that Browns offense has come against a really solid defense in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, just doing some quick research while you were, were saying that, mate, and I was fully listening, by the way. I just wanted to quickly find out why the hell there is two <laughs> games overlapping. And I can tell you it's just a, a scheduling um, thing that's been done on purpose by the NFL this year. It looks like they've decided that they've got three um, simultaneous Monday night games this season, first of which will be in week two this week so um there's one coming up later in the season uh just missed that one but then there's one in week 14 as well which we played at the same time the kickoff but the other two will be um spread by an hour so that was uh the answer to that it's just a scheduling what they wanted to do to capitalize on some early um some early nfl interest in the season but uh look i think um as you mentioned really eager to see how the browns perform second up this has always been there Issue, um, I suppose, consistency, and and obviously this is a game that they'd love to go into to Pittsburgh and, and win. They're um they're the two biggest rivals, I believe, in the AFC North in terms of the two oldest for sure, and then obviously
probably the two that hate each other the most, I think, um, outside of Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. But look, I think it's it's an interesting game. Obviously, Pittsburgh kind of underwhelmed to start the season. They did run into a juggernaut in the Niners, but um, at home again this week, they'll probably be favoured to slightly favour. I'm not sure what the uh, the book is saying, Nick, but um, the Steelers might go into that one just ahead as favourites. That's kind of where I'd place it. But look, the Browns, uh, if they can back up what they did in week one, there's no reason why they won't be two and zip. Yeah, I'd have it almost even money in this one, to be honest, in week mm. two. Um, I think there's some question marks around both around both teams. But you know, if, if you had to pick a side, you'd probably just go the Steelers at home. But I guess before we before we finish up, uh, obviously, again, just want to ask the listeners, if you do like the show, if you do listen every week, and, and we know that there are a lot of you, um, you know, drop us a drop us a review on iTunes, on Spotify, on Facebook, um, wherever you are, wherever you listen, you know, we'd love a review, we'd love a rating, uh, obviously five stars if, if you like it or not, um, whatever, even if you don't like it, give us five stars because, you know, we're good blokes. No, we don't. Yeah, we don't want anything but five stars. <laughs> um, but, you know, <laughs> we're on social media. If you've got questions, if you want give us feedback if you want to throw in a joke if you want something read out we'll, we'll do you know all that sort of stuff so um keep in touch it's a, it's a new season we're looking forward to doing some cool things this season um and final thoughts i thought it would just be fun to see i guess what the list is is looking like let's say the bills let's say the bills get done again this week and uh you come into next into week three uh, a little bit demoralized but but what teams are in the top of the the top of the list for uh, Ryan's new team? Detroit Lions. I'll jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, good call. <laughs> good call. Good call. No, uh, look, I um, I'll be sticking fat with the Bills, mate. Through thick and thin, I'm a, a Bills mafia man till the day I die. <laughs> till the day you die. All right, I like it. Um, thanks, mate. Again, as always, for for joining us this week. Uh, we'll be back for week three, and as always, go birds. Go Lions. <laughs> <laughs>